Thinking Aloud, conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with parapsychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Today, we'll be looking at universal collective consciousness. My guest is Marty Rosenblatt, who is a physicist and is also the director of the Applied Precognition Project. This is a an endeavor that has been going on for over a decade, working with remote viewing for the purpose of speculating and wagering in athletic events and in the financial markets. This is an internet interview, so let's go right to the internet video. Hey, Marty, it's great to see you. Same here, Jeff. We've been friends now for well over a decade. I have watched you develop the Applied Precognition Project from, I think, from the very beginning. And uh, it has grown over, over the years. Uh, as I recall from our recent conversation, you now have over a thousand people participating. That's correct. Twelve hundred. And uh, let's talk about uh, briefly so our viewers have a, a sense. What are these 1,200 people doing? The name of the organization that they're involved in is called Applied Precognition Project. And many of them are actually involved in making predictions in sports as well as financials, but not all of them. Many are there to just stay involved with the conversations which go beyond precognition and really get into psychic phenomena in general, psi, and consciousness. The main theme is consciousness is fundamental, and that has attracted a lot of people. You know, uh, I think that's brilliant because the, that phrase, to my recollection, consciousness is fundamental, came from uh, Max Planck, the, one of the founders of quantum theory, who said consciousness is fundamental. You can't get underneath it. But the way you express it uh, to the people you work with is that consciousness exploration and, and in particular remote viewing can be fun. And I, the one characteristic I see uh, every time I've attended the meetings of the Applied Precognition Project is that people are enjoying themselves. They're having a good time. Yes, that's definitely objective. And when we write consciousness is fundamental, we always capitalize the F-U-N <laughs> to, emphasize, to emphasize that. Um, I do think more and more people are interested in psychic phenomenon, they're becoming open to it, and then the spirituality involved in consciousness is fundamental, um, is something which I'm emphasizing more and more. As you said, we've known each other for years, but the spiritual aspect of it seems to really resonate with people, and I, I must admit, as time has gone on, I find myself becoming more and more spiritual. Well, you uh, began really with an emphasis on the financial markets. But uh, when I heard you lecture uh, to people, you talk about something which could be viewed as quite spiritual, the universal collective consciousness. 
Right. The UCC, the Universe of Collective Consciousness, and indeed it is um, deeply spiritual. It contains anything consciousness touches. This sort of came out of the concept that consciousness is fundamental. Okay, how about putting together the universe of collective consciousness, which, based on everything we know about precognition and psychic phenomenon, includes past, present, and future conscious moments. Um, so that means your life is in there. All of your conscious moments are basically you know, what you've experienced as your life. Now, you touch a lot of other people, and they have their personal experiences of you. All of that is in there. ETs are in there. They're clearly sentient beings. And so when I talk about the universe of collective consciousness, it is, well, everything... I say it again, that consciousness touches, but in a non-physical way. That's what makes it spiritual. It is more fundamental than the physical world. And there are other people who are talking like that. And, of course, uh, many who haven't thought about it very hard or, or just resist the idea that sounds really crazy. And yet there needs to be a place an entity, a thing, where outside of time and space, because we all know that precognition is real, remote viewing can go to essentially infinite distances. Um, well, what is that? Well, that's a non-physical UCC, and from there comes the physical world, and let me just add one other thing now, <laughs> um, which is I even believe I understand what the intermediary is. We have the non-physical spiritual world um, that contains everything, and then we have the physical world. And in between is this zero-point energy sometimes called vacuum energy field, which is at the smallest level of the physical world um, at every point in space and time. I don't care where you are in the universe, when you get down to the very, very small, you know, subatomic, you get down to what are called Planck lengths, 10 to the minus 32 meters or something like that, ridiculously small, you're in the quantum world, that's the zero-point energy field. And physicists do not disagree about that part, that the basic source of the physical world comes from the zero-point energy field. Molecules in your body are connected to the zero-point energy field. So the zero-point energy field indeed creates, um, at one level, the physical world, but now the idea of a universe of collective consciousness, it's even deeper, if you will, <laughs> higher, uh, different. But it then creates the and works through the ZPE to activate the physical world moment to moment. ZPE meaning zero point energy. 
Zero point energy, exactly. Thank you. Sometimes actually called vacuum energy, but it's uh, part of quantum mechanics that nobody questions. Uh, let's talk about the groups uh, for for a moment. Uh, 1,200 people typically divide into smaller groups so that they have a, a like a group of 8 to 10 or 12 people who they normally are working with. Yes, that's correct. We now have 10 financial groups. And because of COVID, uh, one of our sports groups is not active now, but we have, in principle, three sporting groups. So with 1,200 people in 13 groups, that's nearly 100 in each group. No. Remember, not all the people are in there and want to do precognition. Many are there. And just to have the discussion groups, to see the webinars that I give, the people I, you know, work with. Um, we have, as you know, two conferences a year, and they want to, um, you know, hear about that. And just, I don't know how, and I feel very good about it. We seem to be a sort of magnet for people in the remote viewing area. Um, and they they come to us. And I we do have one other group, um, and, and that's actually a very important group. It meets the first Wednesday of every month, and it's a learn-by-doing group. Um, it usually goes about two and a half hours, but I started off with a different topic every month, and it's a topic I'm interested in and I'd like to share. Um, and so that's another, another one of the groups. One of the things I know you do is it's not so different from the new thinking allowed program. I'm putting out three videos a week and I know you're doing less than that, but they're zoom conferences. So the people uh, who belong to the applied precognition project get to interact with the, the various, uh, professional parapsychologists and, uh, professional remote viewers that you bring in to talk to your groups. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. In fact, that's called our Talk With series. And uh, recently, we had Sean McNamara and the people who went there actually bent spoons online, Zoom. You know, usually he does it with the group of people being present with him. But this time, you know, he gave such a good introduction and all that, that we actually did spoon and fork uh, bending and people could show it on the screens and it was really a lot of fun and so they do like that sort of thing and i do have other other speakers um i i think i've had you and i know i've had russ targ and dean radin and i just the the people who are out there doing things if they'll join me i invite them and i love them to share their knowledge with our people you were last in uh, our studio when I was located in Las Vegas. We did three interviews. I'm going to link to them right now. So if viewers who want to see the earlier interviews with Marty, uh, there's a hot link in the upper right-hand corner of of your screen to, to those interviews. I th think people will be very interested because, amongst other things, back then, years ago, you had reported to me a 60% hit rate overall amongst your different viewers in uh, 
predicting sporting events and, and financial markets where the uh, chance probability would be at 50%. So you're doing basically what one might say is 20% above chance. 10%. Well, 10% in absolute terms, but 20, a 10% increase above 50% is a 20% increase above chance expectation. Oh, percent-wise. Yeah. Okay. Right, right. <laughs> um, yes. Very, very significant statistically over, over a 10-year period back then. How's that going? Well, let's talk about that. Um, <laughs> with all the new people that are coming in, um, the overall percentages are now down to like 56%. So it's actually gone down. However, all of that is motivated to motivated us to put together a really important, I hope, program, which we call the Precog Pro for Precog Professional Program. We are now, once a person earns by getting a good track record, um, they become part of the Precog Pro, Pro program and they can actually earn pretty good money by just doing ARV. And um, we then pay them. We have. L let me interrupt. ARV is Associate Remote Viewing. Which, which it's a special technique, which I have discussed in previous interviews, including with you. So we don't have to define it now. But for viewers who may not know what the term means, I just wanted to uh, explicate that. Okay, good. Thank you. And if they go to our website, which maybe you did already in the intro, but appliedprecog.com, we have plenty of information and webinars on that. Um so the idea now is to select out the both committed and excellent remote viewers and we pay them. So people who now hear about us, um, we get new people who are working on there. We do things in units of 25 predictions. We're really, you know, professionals organize their lives so they can do this regularly and they want to do this regularly. And um, we are looking for a series of 25, 25, 25, and then we pay them after each 25. Um, and so that program is one which, you know, I, I really excited about and we've gotten some good viewers. Um, but, I don't know why there's always a but. I, I've been working on on having this become a a um, real money maker. And the reason, and I'm sure I said this before because it's always been my reason, is to have society be open to the fact that these psychic phenomenon are real. The science, as you well know, has proven precognition, for example, uh, beyond a doubt, using all the scientific methods. And guess what? The scientific community still will not accept it. Basically, they say there must be something wrong with the science because it can't be true. And um, society hasn't it, it, it accepted it. It's just a big yawn. You know, so what? Well, money does talk to society. And if I can build a bunch of professionals who are earning money um, 
and doing whatever they want with it, but it becomes clear that they're earning money, I believe that will have more of an impact on on society than um, um, has been done by science. Now, we discussed this years ago, of course, last time you were in the studio, and part of your philosophy back then, with which I did then and still now wholeheartedly agree, is that money, uh, especially in large amounts, uh, is very emotional for people. And when people get very emotional, either disheartened or joyful because they've done well, that clouds the mind. Those strong emotions sort of get in the way of good psychic functioning. And so you had, as, as I remember, your basic ground rule was we will only make small speculations. Uh, we'll earn a little bit of money, but we don't want to go for the big jackpots. Not quite. And maybe I, I was feeling that then, but, but let me say two things about that. Our philosophy is to never invest, okay? It, it's not a gamble when you're up at 60% or so. Um, never invest more than 10% of whatever is in the pot. So that's the level, and that's high. Lots of times we do less than that. The second thing I want to say is you just mentioned what is my number one hypothesis for why people are not doing better. Um, <laughs> their money issue, and if you ask people about it, they'll almost always say, I do not have a money issue. But deep down in the subconscious, it's hard to grow up in our world without having some issues of money. Just like you said, I don't want to have so much that it's ridiculous. You know, what does that mean? Um, uh, you know, it's like people always say they want money, but it'll change their lives so dramatically that they might be afraid. Anyway, that's my number one hypothesis for why the good viewers will get five, six beautiful hits in a row, and then they'll start declining. Um, there's something going on. What I tell all of them and what they're working on is, hey, don't do that. <laughs> you got to get over that. You've got to get over feeling so good about what you're doing that it seems to turn off the goodness of it. Um, I think it might be an ego thing, but it's the biggest challenge for most of the viewers. Now, there's a new viewer that has gotten involved with us in the last month, and I do want to mention him because Tom McNair. Um, Tom McNair, when he was working back for the government, and he was the first one trained by Ingo Swan, he says, as Russell Targ says, in those days, they were doing 100%, 100% in their remote viewing. And as you well know, Russ Tarr got the first nine silver predictions right using ARV. And then it went down. I think Russell Targ may take credit or blame for bringing to consciousness the idea of misses. Tom McNair never thought about misses. He would simply just assume the next session he did would, would be good. In fact, he'd go in and he, he, he repeats this. He goes in and says, I can't do this, you know, and I think the I is the ego I. 
he then gives a prayer um, um, to, to God, basically, who is all-knowing and asks God to give him information. And he was 100%. So I've actually um, I'm just still learning from him. The idea of a prayer, I think, is such a good idea because it acknowledges that the everyday physical ego intellectual mind is not doing precognition. There's something deeper going on, and that's wonderful to acknowledge it and helpful. Well, there's a paradox uh, <laughs> involved because if if precognition uh, is is to work, it pretty much suggests that the future at some level already exists. And if the future exists, that means whether you're going to be successful or not as a precog has already been predetermined. I love that paradox. And it's hard to use words to, to get around it, but I'm going to try. And the words have to do with the universe of collective consciousness. One view is that it is already um, completely out there because it's the collection of all of the now moments. And indeed, um, at one level, that's true. But notice the only things which go in there are now conscious moments. Those now conscious moments are when we do indeed have our free will. And there's a wonderful statement which basically says we are co-creators of of the universe and so in a way which our meager minds cannot understand i believe that in other words it is true okay and if, if i want to say something else it is true that it is predetermined and not predetermined and that gets to godel's godel godel's theorem which he proved that there are systems, and guess what? The UCC is a system. I used to really believe that it was everything because it contains everything consciousness touches. But Goidel says every system has paradoxes in it such that you can have both A and not A. And this, I believe, is exactly that paradox and the only way to get over that is to go to a bigger system. And I just gave um, a, a webinar called Consciousness, ARV, and the Higher Power. Talked a little bit about God. And I have now put God in lower cases, little g, little o, little d. Because the God we know is in the UCC. It, we give it meaning. It has all kinds of meaning to us. We interact with it. It's in the UCC. But there's something even grander, more mysterious, and that's little g-o-d. Um, that's brand new in my thinking. As I'm saying, I love doing this work because my own thinking is evolving. Well, there's always levels beyond levels beyond levels. It, it seems as if we never fully arrive. <laughs> I think it's built that way so that we can keep growing and expanding and, uh, you know, just evolve. Over the years, you've had many different 
teachers of remote viewing pass through uh, your conferences and, and your seminars. Uh, so you're acquainted with the many different schools of remote viewing. Uh, you've probably had teachers come by through almost all of them. And, and one of the things that I find unique about your approach is that it, it's pretty non-dogmatic. It's like, let's be playful, let's experiment, let's, let's have fun and see what happens. So how, how do you evaluate the, the different schools that have more orthodox, rigid approaches to remote viewing? Well, you know, if you're trying to find a missing person, um, to do a 30-page session or something like that to get the fine detail, I think that's fine. I don't have any problem with that. But the different schools that do that, um, I think they've stopped a little bit, but they used to say mine is better than yours, which is – I always felt that was stupid because the information – is coming from the subconscious, from the UCC up through the subconscious. And that is what is common to all of them. And that is what I always emphasize. Um, and in ARV, we typically do only one or two pages um, using, you know, some people use ideograms, some people use free form. Joe McMonagle uses free form. You know, he was trained in a different way and he switched. I believe each individual um, really needs to come to a place that feels comfortable to them. And then with that general protocol, whatever it is, the work will be an inside job. Uh, Julia Mossberg used those words, and I loved it. it. It is an inside job. You're getting deeper and deeper within um, your own being. And and that's what is common, and that's what's important, not the particulars of the structure. Another question I have for you is about the trickster archetype. Uh, you know, George Hansen wrote a book on parapsychology and, and the trickster, and he seemed to feel that this elusiveness, this, this feeling that the universe is playing a kind of game with us, uh, tantalizing us with psychic abilities, uh, in ways that we can never quite wrap our, uh, minds around completely. Yeah. He felt that that was built into it. How, how do you feel about the, the nature of the trick? It is a deep concept just because of the way the psychic phenomena are not on all the time. But I will remind you that they were for many years at SRI. Then the trickster decided <laughs> and for some reason to start to play his, his games. The challenge now, and, and you know, as you say, hey, if, if the best we can do is 60, 65, 70%, um, hey, that's fine. That'll, that'll make the point. Um, but it's got to get to the point where it's consistent. The trickster is still playing, playing games with the people. I think he does it, she <laughs> does it, um, to get us to grow. The old expression, there's more to learn from misses than hits, um, I, I believe that. And I don't think people ponder enough on 
why they are doing that. Um, and I think the answers are down inside. It's an inside job. Um, you look inside, you might ask a higher power to give you some guidance. Um, you know, whatever works for you. Marty Rosenblatt, this has been a delightful conversation. I uh, know that you've got uh, conferences and seminars on an ongoing basis. People can check out your, your website, uh, applyprecog.com. And uh, I want to thank you once again for being with me, and you're welcome to return anytime. It's been several years since uh, we've done an, an interview together. It's been a pleasure. Well, thank you, Jeff. It's been a pleasure at this end as well. And um, I think your work is so important. You interview, as you said, so many more people. And I just hope, um, you know, your website just continues to grow and um, gets up to that 100,000. I think you're looking for 100,000 people. Uh, but you already have how many? Well, we're uh, up to about 80 right now. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. And uh, just you keep up your good work. And thank you for having me. And for those of you watching, thank you for being with us.